0: Welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening, actually Monday morning, a little after midnight, Monday morning, joining us from New York City, where he, I believe, went to the Nets Trailblazers game today, where the Nets lost like their six out of seven or seventh out of eight right before flying to Paris. Tim Bontemps.
1: They lost their sixth out of seven in overtime game where there were some interesting choices made in the final 30 seconds, just like they were in Cleveland to start the day with Victor Wembanyama, and just like they were in the last game of the day where you were in LA. It's an interesting Sunday of hoops today.
0: Joining us from Dallas, Texas, where I believe he attended the Timberwolves getting defeated by the Dallas Mavericks. I think uh, Kyrie and Luka Doncic combined for like 69 points. It was a nice performance. Was it not, Ben McMahon?
2: Oh, it was a nice performance. Wendy, howdy, partners. Uh, I would say the best win of the season
0: for the Mavericks,
2: I think. Ah, Certainly right up there. Fellas, um, I'm going to tell you something just real quick. I know we're not going to dig too deep into the Mavericks, but they've been playing defense here for a little stretch. And if they are a decent defensive team, they have a chance to be dangerous. Luca is playing defense quite proudly. Just something to keep an eye on.
0: That's actually a that was actually one of the most important games on the slate today, I thought.
2: No, it was, a like I said, it really was a big win for the Mavs. You know, Kyrie and Luka, as you mentioned, both were cooking. But this is, they they led most of the game. The Wolves, and, and Ant was awesome. The Wolves come back. They go up six, about midway through the fourth quarter. The Mavs close it out. I'm telling you, the Mavericks are getting the job done on the defensive end, despite the fact they didn't have Dante Exum. Who's one of their best on ball defenders? They didn't have Derek Lively the second, who's obviously their best rim protector. But you know, Lucas taking the challenge defensively. He had a couple stops in the post on, on Cat where he's snarling and just puffing his chest out. He he forced the key turnover of the game where Ant didn't make a great decision and gave Rudy the ball too far out on a pick and roll and kind of put Rudy in a situation where he had to make a play. It's not his strength. He ends up tossing it back out, bad pass a uh, half-court violation. And boy, Luca, he, he wouldn't tell me exactly what he said to Rudy,
1: but he had some words. I'm, I don't even know what language they were, but I bet you they were profane. To your point, McMahon, Dallas, last 10 games, third in the league, defensive rating. Exactly, oh. exactly. Hey,
2: and Jay Kidd was really hammering on this. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. has been a phenomenal pickup for them on a minimum contract. He is you know, their stopper, Like. Right? I'm not saying he's all defense or anything like that, but two through four, sometimes even one, occasionally even fives, he's getting the toughest defensive assignment, and uh, he, he's been huge for him. So, I mean, there's some some really good things starting to happen for the Mavericks on that end of the floor, and a big part of that is Luca is playing hard defensively. He's, as Jake had often says, participating. And tonight was a big step because a lot of the times Luca gets himself in trouble defensively by just not crossing half court because he's bitching at the refs so much. This man, I mean, even by Luca's standards, it was an impressive performance as far as bitching at the refs. I mean, it was nonstop. Old Brandon Adair, great restraint, did not hand out a tee. He complained the whole game and still got back on defense. It sounds like a joke. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Because you're not going to stop him from yelling at refs. The fact right. that he did it the whole game, but it did not affect his ability to get back on defense, yep, that's a step in the right direction.
0: Hey, listen, that's the kind of analysis we have you on to talk about. I attended the Laker-Clipper game tonight, the Clipper-at-Laker game. Very L.A. evening here in downtown L.A. We had the Emmys going on across the street. Golden Globes,
1: the- to be clear. My to, wife be clear
0: was- to be clear, the Emmys. The-
1: I
2: don't know the difference, to be clear. The so, Emmys and the Golden Globes are
0: both happening today. I don't know what to tell you. The Emmys were happening next okay. door to the staples to crypto.com arena. Okay. People walking around in my hotel with Emmys. I don't know what you want me to say. Did you get one? No. You
1: got robbed.
0: I don't, think, I, I don't Bontemps. think you're correct about get an <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think how it was the Golden Globes, but I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe there's something
0: else going on. I, I don't mean, know. How could, how could what's going on with Utah not get an Emmy? Dude, it should, it should. Jackson is telling me I know that the Golden Globes were happening. God damn it! I am telling nobody, you, the nobody, Emmys nobody were cares. going <laughs> on tonight. Nobody cares.
2: It was a very LA night.
0: They had the Chick Hearn's Court Drive, whatever, closed down to make the red carpet. I don't, i to tell you. Jackson's saying they're next weekend. I, what, bro. I don't know what Emmys are going on. There was five hundred something.
2: We talk about the NBA. Yeah, we
0: do. We do. No, I'm being, I'm being persecuted here. <laughs> you think I don't? I granted, I have been on some high powered drugs the last few days. Ooh, I'm telling tell us you, about the, that. <laughs> it, it was the the Emmys were going on at Peacock. I don't know what Emmys they were, but there was. Five hundred people in touch Jackson
1: Jackson has more updates. So many updates from Jackson. The Creative Arts Emmys were today. I have no idea what that is, but I'm
0: just telling they, you there was some the Emmys. Emmys. What kind of, what kind of dope Emmys. did you get? No, I don't. No, I was using opiates. <laughs> I should have. I should <laughs> prescribed legal legal opiates uh, to be clear. Awesome. But before I <laughs> before I had uh, painkillers. Um, the other day when i was doing the pot i was i mean i'm still not in the greatest uh condition but i was uh i was uh in a lot of pain as we were doing that podcast the other day and i f- flat out forgot that we didn't talk about the nicks raptors trade so um you,
2: you really missed the boat on that one anyway <laughs>
0: <Jesus Christ>. <laughs> <laughs> sorry anyway oh, man uh <laughs> it, the problem I, I needed to miss the boat i i I, I hit the damn boat i yes, I, that, that was I, a joke. I if i'd have gone in the water it wouldn't have had as much of a problem i'd have been wet but i wouldn't have had a broken oh god rib. not broken that's true i i subsequently got x-rays and they, they, they're just deeply bruised i don't know if it's not broken i feel bad for people who have broken ribs because it hurts like hell Anyway, the Knicks uh, are performing pretty well since the Trey picking up O.G. Ananobi. I don't think they've lost yet. Um, or no. And, Bontemps, I think you were at um, the game that they won in Philly on Friday night. Mm-hmm. and uh, That was a very impressive victory. Just totally smacked the Sixers from start mm-hmm. to finish in that game. And then they turned around, and uh, Julius Randle had a big game on Saturday, and they won a couple games over the weekend. What do you think has been a uh, key here, for the Knicks, because it hasn't just been O.G. Ananobi, um, but they've uh, they've got some good play going on right now.
1: Yeah, so Brian, to me, this is a true definition of a win-win trade in the NBA, just something you don't see happen a lot when you have teams primarily trading players back and forth. And a lot of times when you got pretty significant names, like in this trade, but for the Knicks side of it, O.G. Ananobi just fits perfectly within what the Knicks are trying to do. You've got Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle who are super high usage players, and when you had Emmanuel Quickly, who is a terrific player, who I think has got a chance to be have an impact like the one Jalen Brunson has had in New York with Toronto. But Tibbs has decided, rightly or wrongly, depending on your viewpoint of it, that those guys were not guys you could play together, him and Jalen Brunson, for 30 plus minutes a game. So Quickly was essentially playing 20 to 25 minutes a night and was more or less playing when Jalen wasn't playing. And then he was playing R.J. Barrett a lot. And RJ is an awkward fit with those guys. He sort of needs the ball in his hands to be effective. He's not a great catch and shoot guy. And it just was a clunky fit. And now you put an OG and who is one of the best true three and D wings in the league. One of the best corner three point shooters in the league. I think he's top five in percentage and makes in the corner this year. Might be up to top three now and doesn't need the ball is really, truly a catch and shoot and cut guy. And then on top of that, The Knicks had, whether it was Barrett or Dante DiVincenzo or Josh Hart or Quickly or Quentin Grimes, they had all these basically shooting guard-sized guys that were playing small forward. And oftentimes, RJ or Josh Hart would be power forward on the second unit after the Obi Toppin trade this summer when Julius Randle would leave the court. Now, you have OG, who's a true three, and when he goes out there, they just are a way bigger team, and they have somebody who can actually guard guys like Giannis Tedekupo, guys like Jason Tatum guys like Anthony Edwards. They didn't have a true weapon to go guard those kind of guys, which is why the Knicks, despite being a Tom Thibodeau team, were 19th in defense last year, and were 19th in defense when they made this trade. So it not only gives them a weapon to throw at the best offensive player on the other team, it spaces the floor for him. He's probably their second best shooter behind Jalen, might be their best shooter, and it just completely balances out their team. And right from the jump, you've seen Jalen and Julius play great, and the pieces have really fit. Really nicely. They got to make some changes on the second unit. They got to figure some stuff out. But it's worked through the first week. It's gone about as well as it possibly could if you're the Knicks with the way the deal has played out.
0: Then they backed it up by giving Deuce McBride a contract extension. And he came and he came out and had like one of his best games of the season, probably his best game of the season against Philly on Friday. You know, McBride is a guy that a lot of Knicks fans have wanted to see more playing time. And now that quickly has been traded. There's a window for him. The, the Knicks lock him up and he's already starting to take advantage of that playing time. He's not the talent that quickly is. He doesn't have the size that quickly does, but the Knicks have shown over the last couple of seasons that they have depth. And so if they're going to make a trade that reduces their depth, uh, which this did, you know, there's more opportunities for guys, which also is taking place. Really quick I on
1: sh- the quick on the McBride thing. Cause it was an interesting little thing. They made that trade. And before they even had got through 24 hours after making the trade, They'd signed Deuce McBride, who played 100 total minutes this year at the time, to this three-year, 13 million dollar contract. It was a clear sign that he, they think he could step in and be the backup point guard. First two games, he was minus 25 in 17 minutes, did not go great. Then he comes out in Philly, hits four threes in the first quarter, helped completely turn the game around, and you know is going to have a chance to settle into that job. But Tibbs has liked him for a long time. He's had a lot of success with small guards. He's definitely going to get a chance to play a lot. And like you said, we'll see if the Knicks were right to make that bet on him.
2: Yeah. Let's not act like it was a huge bet though, right? I mean, he he's not being paid six-man type of money. He's being paid 10th man type of money, right? 11th type of money. And I still think that, you know, Leon Rose, Gerson, Rose, the Knicks front office needs to be on the phone canvassing the trade market, finding other potential replacements for Manuel quickly in the rotation. You know I'm not, if I'm them, I'm on the phone with the Utah Jazz, talking Jordan Clarkson, talking Colin Sexton. Although I guess there's some can't be a clutch
1: client and go to the Knicks type of thing, but whatever.
0: By the way, I don't believe that for a second. If it I benefits don't the Knicks, they're getting they're trading for a clutch guy. Also, by they the way, they wanted Jazz- OJ
1: Ananobi last year when he was a clutch guy. And if the only reason OG Ananobi left clutch was because his agent left the business. So look, you know, the
0: Knicks just did a deal with the Raptors who are suing them. Right. If you that's right. Or vice versa, who they're suing. If you in the NBA, you have to do business with who you do business with. You can't hold grudges like that. It's just never going to get you anywhere. By the way, the Jazz have won ten of thirteen games. (laughs) Jazz are playing great. I I mean, I know that they're not. They're in a tough part of their schedule right now. They did win in Philly on Saturday. I don't know if um, yeah, they did. That was a great win. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) I don't think uh, the Jazz are headed for greatness. But I don't. I mean, this season. But I don't necessarily think that the Jazz are looking to slice off. Core players. I mean, if they get
2: the Jazz won a a lot of games and were competitive before last trade deadline, and they still sold half the rotation. I'm just telling you, Danny. That's true, but they also signed
0: Clarkson to an extension subsequently an
2: an extension that is a balloon payment this year. And then uh, the salary goes down the next couple of years, an extremely tradable contract. I'm I'm just saying, I would be calling them, I would be calling Washington about a Tyus Jones. Well, I would I, I
1: actually I actually think the more interesting, the the more likely path I think they'll take if they're gonna add one piece is to get a big. And I the guy that I think would be really interesting for the Knicks is another guy in Washington, who's Daniel Gafford. And if the if the Wizards do look to move Gafford, you pair him with Isaiah Hartenstein, you get back to what was one of the real Knicks strengths before Mitchell Robinson got hurt, which say you had 48 minutes of high quality above average to really good center play. And whether it's Precious Achua or Jericho Sims, they don't really have the same thing now, even though Isaiah hartenstein has been awesome since taking over the starting him. job from Mitchell Robinson. So that, to me, while they, I agree with you, they might look to add a perimeter guy. They've got a lot of guys who can score. I think once they get the rotation sorted out, they've got Dante Chitsu, they can give the ball to. Josh Hart can do some stuff. OG can do some stuff. You know, They've got a bunch of guys they can throw the ball to. They want to give McBride a chance to play. I could see them going to get a big to add to that rotation. But look, the Knicks are going to be... I wrote about them on Friday. The Knicks are... They, they've they been methodically adding rotation players. They got Josh Hart at the trade deadline. They got DiVincenzo in the summer. Thought that was a really good mid-level pickup for them. They now go get OG. It would not shock me. Obviously, they'd love to get a star. Everyone's talked about that for a long time. They can add another piece or two like that here coming up to the deadline. They've done a really good job of just methodi- methodically Listen, deepening this roster Leon, and making themselves better.
0: If you look at Leon Rose's tenure, his track record and his moves, the Evan Fournier contract didn't work out. Go look at the rest of the moves and tell me what hasn't been a smart move. Well, there's one gigantic miss.
1: They drafted the wrong CAA guy in, in the 2020 draft because they, they could have drafted Tyrese Saliburton and they drafted Obi Toppin. That's the one real miss. Okay. Okay. Other than that. And the funny thing about that is not only did they draft Obi Toppin,
2: but they turned down the off from the Mavericks. Which they weren't oh, going down.
0: Right. It I know, but when it comes Brunson to Halliburton, there's like eight teams that are in that. No, I know, but I'm just saying so, that's they the,
1: that's I know, the but one I mean, high pick okay. they've had. That other, but, I'm I'm saying but, the same thing. They've done a really good job. They've done but, a really good job.
2: The body of work is certainly pretty good. And now the Fournier contract, it was a miss, but it's a trade ship now.
1: Yeah.
0: Even it might be a trade way, ship next year, too, if they don't trade him at the, the deadline. Jalen Brunson signing and the Julius Randle extension which look at Randall's contract relative to his production. He's not maybe the player night in and night out that the Knicks fans want, but look at that contract in today's day and age versus his production. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. He's been, he's been really good. It's from the Raptors standpoint. um, If I was a Raptors fan, I'd be thrilled that they, that my team did this deal and finally did a deal instead of letting a player potentially walk in free agency. Masai Ujiri has routinely crushed trades dating back to when he was running the Nuggets. He has crushed trade after trade after trade. And then for some reason, he stopped making trades with the Raptors. He just stopped. And dealing with the Raptors is challenging. They are very demanding in trades. Although the interesting thing about this is that it sounds like this trade actually happened relatively smoothly and quickly. So to speak. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, it's just
1: such a logical fit on both sides. Well, like I, the I know, had, but <laughs> the
0: <Knicks> had, <laughs> <laughs> they should have done other deals. Um, Trust
2: me, I know. More Hoop Collective Podcast after this.
0: From what I understand, talking to the parties here, this trade negotiation was actually relatively smooth and quick, despite the fact that they're in litigation against each other, despite the fact that the Raptors have been very deliberate, to to put it nicely. Uh, For some reason, it all sort of fell into place. Well, I think
1: there's a couple of reasons why Toronto is motivated to do this deal now. One was... You now get runway for the next month to see what your team looks like. And you can make a decision on Pascal Siakam. The other one is the Knicks having Emmanuel quickly. That was sort of an exploding trade asset, right? Around the league, people yeah. sort of assumed he was going to be traded by the deadline. Because after the Knicks didn't extend him before the deadline in October, you have Jalen Brunson sitting there. Quick wanted starting point guard money. He deserves starting point guard money. I think he's a starting level point guard. He, there was a, a, a thought around the league he was going to be traded, right? And if you're Toronto, you do this deal before January 1st. That means he's off the board when all these guys who could be traded on January 15th come online. And when DeJounte Murray, who's been talked about in trade stuff, comes online as a trade possibility in early January, right? So you do that deal December 30th, you get him off the board, you get him on your team. And like I said earlier, I know R.J. RJ Barrett being from Toronto, that's a huge story there. They've been chasing... Canadian guys for a while, having one of the stars of the Canadian national team on that team going forward is a big deal there quickly was the the crown jewel in that trade from the Toronto side. I love the fit with him and Scotty Barnes. I think going forward, they're going to be a terrific pairing. I do think he's got a chance to be a Jalen Brunson type impact in Toronto long-term. And I do think RJ playing in a more up-tempo system with some more shooting around him can look better than he did with the Knicks. So I You're I truly sure like a the trail for both sides.
2: Yeah, R.J. Barrett looked really good tonight when he had 37 points, six rebounds, and six assists and was a plus 26 while they kicked the Warriors' ass up and down uh, the floor in San Francisco.
1: Sure did, and sure sure did on all fronts there.
0: Yeah, by the way, Steph Curry in this game, we'll talk about the Warriors in a minute. Steph Curry had his second game in a month where he didn't break 10 points and didn't make a three. Wow. It hadn't happened in like three years, and then it's now happened twice in a row. With with the Warriors' right now, they cannot afford a game. Yeah. But but you know, the Raptors outlook uh, you know, changes a little bit here, especially with Scotty Barnes um, having a much improved third season. And so some would you know, say Barrett an all-stars. Remember season. now so he's bad today. Some would say. But I think it's gonna be hard. But the thing about Barrett, you know, the ball, he hot shooting day today. I don't react to that. He did shoot the ball pretty well the first, you know, month of the season. And then he cooled off a little bit. But he has shown some propensity to have an improved outside shot. I mean, we'll see whether that lasts. But, you know, and the other thing is when you when you now have Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench, Mm -hmm. he's a he's a very impactful guy if he's coming off your bench. Well you You got Schroeder,
2: you got Gary Trent Jr., you got Chris Boucher. I mean they've they've got a solid
0: bench. You know, one of the reasons why the Lakers have been wheezing, although they did get the win tonight, is because they miss Schroeder more than more mm-hmm. than it was assumed because some of the stuff that Schroeder can do turns out to be pretty valuable.
1: Um, well, they signed Gabe Vincent and then he just hasn't played. So I they really, at this point, they've just lost Schroeder for nothing.
0: Is
2: one of those things that he can do dribble?
0: Well, <laughs> the Lakers are running a five out offense with a lineup that doesn't have guys who tag off the bounce, which Schroeder sure as heck can do. But, you know, it is we'll fair. we talk to point about that, that in a bit, though. Gabe Vincent but, isn't. Uh, but, you know,
2: you, you mentioned this gives. The Raptors' time to evaluate this group with Siakam, and the the Siakam trade market is going to be fascinating because they, one reason they're able to really get good value for OG and Obi. There's a lot of teams that wanted him, obviously, but like you, you trade him to a team that is awfully confident that they'll be able to keep him long term. Not extend, but keep him long term. So, resign? Yes, to say the (laughs) least. I mean, uh, I, know written, I
0: know it's been written and said many times over. It's been like the most overworked analysis of the week, but one of OG's agents, Leon Rose's son. so
2: Right, um, who also happens to be one of Jalen Brunson's agents. Anyways, point is, the, the Knicks knew he's here for the foreseeable future. Whereas, for example, Indiana is one of the teams that was uh, after Siakam this summer. How confident can the Pacers be if they make a deal for Siakam before the deadline well, that it's not just
0: a shortcut? The are they offering the 30% max? Because that's that's a good place to start. Well, well, they also,
1: it's also at the point where a team like the Pacers, who has a ton of cap space this summer, could just wait and try to sign him this summer, too. So that's sort of the other side of it, right? On the one hand, you've got teams that want to potentially trade for him and know he'll stay. You've got some other teams that will have the ability to sign players this summer that might say, well, we'd like Siakam, but we can also make a run at him in July because are we sure that Toronto's going to want to pay him a max? Are we sure he's going to want to stay in Toronto? Like, don't know. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But like, we're not going to break the bank to trade for him now when we can maybe just sign him outright later. So there's that part of it too. It's, it's a very interesting situation. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to shake out.
0: Right. Well, so the Raptors are uh, are interesting. They are going. They're coming down here to L. A. where they'll play the Lakers and Clippers here. Three green one year. since
1: the trade after that win.
0: Yeah. So we'll see how they uh, handle their time in L. A. coming up here. Uh, the Suns also coming to L. A. Uh, starting tomorrow Monday. They play against the Clippers and then they're here for a couple of days and play the Lakers later in the week. The Suns had Oof. a rare moment on Sunday. They had their whole big three in the lineup, but Durant had. Bradley Beal had just come back and um, then Durant went out with a hamstring and Durant came back and uh, they lost it home to the Grizzlies who... Um,
2: uh, sir, they lost it home to the Grizzlies with John Morant sidelined by a shoulder injury.
0: Right. So the Grizzlies have uh, had a, uh, after sputtering a little bit, have had a good couple of days shooting the lights out against the Lakers and then beating the Suns. You know, when you look at, You know, my whole thing on the Suns is I know what Bontemps has said about he didn't like the eight and trade. Okay, got it. You know, I know that a bunch of their minimum signing guys haven't really uh, worked out. Got it. I don't think you can even begin to talk about the Suns until those three guys have played at least 20 games together. Then we can. Yeah, we'll just,
1: again, we'll just pretend that the injury slider just doesn't count. We'll just turn it off. Obviously,
0: it does, but. Like, I didn't agree with Darvin Ham's tact after they lost to the Grizzlies the other day where he said, uh, hey, I wish people would stop living and dying after every win. I don't think that's what the head coach's role is. I think the head coach needs to have a more level tone than that. But I'm not going to freak out in January when you're dealing with a, a bunch of veterans you're trying to bring together. Yeah, this, this hasn't gone well for the Suns. I get it. I, I'm not debating any of that. If kind of sounds together, like it. I'm just saying I don't know yet. I'm just saying wait and see.
2: So so I hear everything you're saying, but also a sense of what you're saying is we can't really begin to evaluate the Suns until they're pretty much assured not to have home court advantage in the first round. Maybe so. Potentially not even to have a chance to to – avoid the play in tournament. Or maybe miss maybe the so. play in entirely. Well, the the Warriors are helping to try to avoid that fate. I'm for just them.
1: saying they're like I agree with your point in theory, Brian, that you want you're you're gonna have a much better sense of this group when we've seen these guys play together for twenty games. I obviously agree At with that. At least them. twenty. Okay, but the problem is we're a halfway through the season and they've played what, four games I together? agree. It's
0: I agree. It's a problem. but oh, I mean, and they're so ninth place in the West,
1: right? So you can't say, "Well, we just can't. We have to just set them over here and not discuss them until these guys have played twenty well, games."
0: Okay, so right now, as we sit here, where the standings are, the Suns, Warriors, and Lakers are all play-in teams. teams oh, no, at- incorrect. No, the Warriors don't. are not
1: a play-in team; yeah. they're out entirely. They're,
2: you got this: the Suns at nine, the Lakers at ten, and the Warriors at eleven. More Hoop Collective Podcast after this.
0: All right. 9, 10, and 11. All veteran-laden, star-laden. Gassed a lot of their resources.
2: Massive luxury tax bills.
0: Yes, for sure. And it's not getting done right now. Of these three teams, let's take a look at these three teams. Which of these three teams is in the biggest problem right now. I,
2: I, it has to be the Warriors. Has to be the Warriors because you've got internal drama. I mean you've got freaking a young role player indirectly, but very clearly coming from him and his people calling out
0: the head coach. The Hall of Fame head coach. Whole, yeah. Jonathan, and then, there's a report in the athletic that uh, Jonathan Kaminga quote has lost faith in Steve Kerr. I mean it's a it's a jaw-dropping strategy move well
2: and uh, but you <laughs> know what it worked because steve kerr came out hours later and basically apologized for not going back to jonathan kaminga in the previous game
0: yes and it was a mistake to go away from kaminga when aaron gordon was lighting them up but that's not the point you don't say oh, as a third-year player that you've lost faith in you <laughs> in your
2: uh, not There'd in not
0: not in a head coach.
2: Not in a functional team that's trying to uh, accomplish team goals. That's for sure.
0: Listen, man, Jonathan Kamingo wants to get paid at the end of the season. I understand that. That is not the way to go about handling your business. No. Even if he's right,
2: right? Because well, th- but- the problem is, guys say, "Man." Well, he did that. Like, is he going to cause problems here if we pay him? Anyways. Exactly.
0: But if your point is it's not an indication of a of a happy situation, that is a fair point.
2: Right. And what happens to his, like, where are his minutes coming from when Draymond's back? You know, Draymond's not suspended anymore. He's going to ramp up. He's going to be back. Are they, hey, like, Kerr has left the door open to keep him coming in the starting lineup. How will Draymond react to that? Chris Paul's out four to six weeks. Well, I think Draymond um, will be starting at center in that scenario, but maybe not. Sure. Chris Paul's out four to six weeks. You know, how do they manage that situation? I mean, I can you you mentioned Steph and, and we can chalk it up as fluky that he's had these two just god-awful shooting performances recently, just complete outliers to what's the norm for him. But can you imagine the the mental strain? that he has right now of just all this crap flying all over the place. And they are two games under 500. And, and if the plan starts now, their ass is in Cancun.
0: Or if you're Joe wow. and you're playing 400 million for the team. Mm.
1: Wow. So it's
0: interesting. He bought the team for 400 million. Yes, he yeah. did. I know it was a long time ago, but I'm just, just pointing that
1: out. So since you asked the question of how to rank these teams, I've been, I've been bouncing them around. I would probably have Phoenix as the least concerning. However, just looking at the standings, right? The Lakers have played 10 games against under 500 teams. The Warriors have played nine. The Suns have played 23. Oh, and are 14 and nine in those games. They've played 13 games against above 500 teams. The Lakers have played 27, and the Warriors have played 27. So if the Suns stay healthy, now that they've got their guys out here, as they get to a trickier part of the schedule, I think they will probably be fine. I still would probably have them lowest on the concern meter, even though the concern meter is pretty high, because mm-hmm. they do at least have those three guys, and the other two teams have a lot more problems. The Lakers, like we keep talking about, we'll see what happens over this next stretch. They have a, a tough week ahead to week and a half going up to the trade, uh, the January 15th trade restriction lift in a week from when this pod comes out. So we'll see how that goes. And we'll see what the Lakers do in the trade market. But if LeBron and AD play 75 games, which they're on pace to do, the Lakers will probably be okay. If one of them gets hurt, they could be in some trouble. And at Golden State, like sort of the fascinating thing now, you got Mike Dunleavy Jr. Got a month till the trade deadline. First time he's been in this position. And like you just laid out McMahon, they got a lot of things on their plate here for Mike to decide what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. For example, do they try to get out of the Andrew Wiggins deal? They like, like Do they just say, look, for whatever reason, this guy is not going to get back to being the player he was in the finals a couple of years ago?
0: Trade him somewhere Boy, where they can get out of it. The- is that a complicated evaluation? Well, right.
1: But you could potentially get out of that money, just cut it off your books going forward. Like, what do they do with Draymond Green? Just in general. Like, I don't think Draymond Green's going anywhere, but let's see what happens with this ramp up. Let's see if he can stay on the court. Let's see if he can avoid attacking anybody in a game. Like, let's see what happens there. You mentioned Chris Paul being hurt. Is there something to be done with that Chris Paul contract? Do you potentially flip that for somebody? Do you try to make some other moves on the margins to try to have this team be competitive with Steph Curry, who still is really good? Like, they have a lot of different directions they can go. With this group, and they're now playing these young guys almost by default. Pods has been great, probably mm-hmm. should be starting, didn't start today. Trace Jackson Davis, who they got late in the second round, started today, unless they make a move for a big or unless they decide to start Draymond at the five. Like he should be starting over kavon Ludi going forward, clearly been better than him. Kaminga's played well. The drama from the other day aside, I think we all agree that was not the right tack to take. He's still been pretty good lately. He should be starting over Wiggins, frankly. Like, Pods and Kaminga should be starting on the wing for them. So, or if you want to have them start with Clay and then start Trace at the center. Like, they've, they're, they've just had, they've got themselves in a, a really interesting spot where they can go a lot of directions. But I think you have to have them the most concerning team because they just, if, for as up and down as the Lakers have been, these guys have the most questions about him.
0: Well, I think like, if you state what you're what you're what you've been battling with here is do you trust that these guys can redis? because you know, the four core players from the title team are still there. Can you talk yourself into trusting that they can come back together? They can get squared away.
2: Well, maybe, but right now they are a
1: half game ahead of the rebuilding Utah Jazz in the West standings. Yep. And look, let's just be honest again. Just to reemphasize it, the young guys have been significantly better players this year than all these guys. I mean, Draymond's been good when he's played, but I mean, you just have no way of counting on him at this point. The, the, so, all all the guys in the non-Steph division. Just to be clear. Oh, right, yeah, Steph's in his own Steph's in his own category. Okay. Over yeah, the just, last that's three, very, very weeks. clear.
0: Over the last three, four weeks, Clay has been better, and he had a good game today. He's he had a little bit of a. Many slums. He's been he's been fine. He's also pretty
1: bad on defense at this point.
0: Yeah, I would have to generally agree that I think the Warriors are in the roughest spot. As far as the Lakers go, they there is some indications that they may be playing better than their results that they're getting. The problem is, is that I still don't think Darvin Ham has lineups that he knows that are going to work. I'm well, also watching. the problem
2: is playing better than the results are getting is an awfully low bar.
0: Well, well, like Aside that game, the, This I was know, a huge that, win for them
2: over the Clippers. This was whew, tough opponent. You stopped the bleeding, but man,
0: they should have won that game against the Grizzlies the other night. I don't, they let it go through their fingers. And I,
2: Dude. it was
0: almost an excuse. I, I think the Grizzlies just hit a ton of threes. I, which obviously they had a factor in the way the Lakers defended, but, Darvishham is, I, I think there's a good team. Good, I think there's a better team there. I just think they're he's having trouble. Like he's still, like I was, I was at this game tonight and he abandoned the lineup. You know, the, when they started the season, they started the season with a starting lineup of Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. Why am I forgetting who the LeBron
2: James, Torian Prince, Bron AD,
0: and AD? But I'm trying to think of the third. Torian Prince, Torian Prince. They abandoned that lineup because it was a disaster.
2: They closed with it tonight.
0: And there he's back playing it again. And so I'm like, is that? Now they win tonight's game because Torian Prince hits a three. Um, well, and, and D'Angelo like, Russell
1: scored like eight of his 13 points in a 90-second stretch in the fourth quarter, too, where he came down and hit a three and a couple jumpers in the Kawhi lane. Well, I
0: also had his worst game that he's had basically in a month, I and mean, there's a lot of factors going and on. It doesn't there.
1: matter, though. Like McMahon said, that's a that's a huge but, win for them. The Clippers have been rolling. Is, they needed a win.
0: I. I still don't think he knows who to play when, and but I I think the ingredients are there for a competitive team. But well, what does competitive mean? Well, like in, all seri- six, no, but in all serious, no, but in all seriousness, like oh, we're back
1: six. to top six again. Okay, oh, yes. you know, it, this reminds
2: me of when I was uh, when I was post divorce living on my own, oh, God. and I'd open up the freezer, and I have to decide which lean cuisine I was going to eat for dinner. <laughs> Sometimes none of the options are appealing. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, that is, I mean, the the problem they have, it's sort of what you were saying before, right? I mean, we talked about this the other day. They have a bunch of flunky fitting role players that to your point, it's very difficult to figure out how to best fit them all together to have a functioning lineup out there. You, You need Torian Prince to play because he's their one reliable shooter, right? But as you said before, if you're running this five out offense, Torian Prince is a it, you know, he's a lesser version of him, but he's like OG Ananobi, like we talked about earlier, right? He's going to guard people and he's going to hit spot up jumpers like that huge shot. He hit to help win them the game today, but he's never going to be a guy who's going to take anybody off the dribble or you're going to have to worry about attacking anybody. And if you have D'Angelo Russell out there, he's going to have some moments where he gets hot and hit shots, but he's going to be an absolute open gate to the basket at the other end. So it like, yeah, like, Darvin Ham's had to change his lineups around a lot because there's not a lot of reliable pieces for him to choose from. So it stands to reason they're going to be inconsistent rotations there. He's got LeBron, AD. I'll put Austin
2: Reeves in the plus category and a whole bunch of Lean Cuisine.
0: <laughs> I know, but sometimes that those, that Lean Cuisine has had good results at times. It's just I don't well, know. It had good results when they had unsustainably hot shooting. Right, that's when they've looked their best. Here's my problem my problem is, you know, this happens with golfers. Sometimes golfers play their best golf when they're young and dumb because they don't think about it too much. They get over a putt and they're not worried about it, they're not thinking about where they are on the FedEx points list, they're not thinking about their three houses and their jet and all this stuff. You see, guys get the yips when they're in their 30s and 40s. When they're in their 20s, they just knock putts in at 100 miles an hour. This is my problem. My problem is I've been around too long, and I've seen teams that have been a mess in January, and then everybody goes, they're done, forget about it. And then come March, come April, those, the old veterans start to show up. They come together. So you guys can point out problems with the Lakers and the Warriors and the Suns, and you can be right about all of it. I can't sit here. I'm not defending any position, but I look at them and Maybe I think there's like, no Russell. I know, but this freaking I mean, I guy think, made a bunch of shots last year when they went deep in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, well, again, he so, and Rui Hachimura had unsustainably hot shooting. I think that's a reasonable argument with with Golden State, and I think it's I think again the Sun's ceiling if those guys are on the court and playing well is really high. Now, will he be healthy? We'll see. I do think, generally, it's a lot harder to make that argument for the Lakers, the, the, despite the, the, the run they had last year.
2: But the, the argument is this. If LeBron and AD are playing at their peak, peak
1: level, they're going to
2: have a chance to be dangerous because well, those that's guys why I, are that freaking good.
1: Yes, that's why, to me, the, the, if I'm Rob Palenka, the priority between now and the deadline is trying to find two more players like Torian Prince. If they can find two more guys that and probably better than Torian Prince, but at least guys who can be credible on defense and you can count on to hit open shots. So you're not playing Cam Reddish, you're not playing Jared Vanderbilt, you're not playing these guys that are not capable of playing at both ends of the court. Then I think you can construct an argument where if LeBron and Eddie are, are at their peak.
2: Oh, so yeah, that's my question. So you want him to basically you're saying find two more quality
1: three and D players that every good team's trying to find. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but if your choice is like trade for one shiny object or try to find a couple of role players who are okay players mm-hmm. who could be some facsimile of what Torian Prince has given them, I think they need the latter. That's I think what I would they say. Gotta,
0: I think they they got to find that from within at least one of them.
1: Well, I if I were them, I'd be playing Max Christie thirty minutes a game and in just honesty, trying it.
0: In all honesty, because Cam Reddish like,
1: stinks and he shouldn't be playing. We've I seen don't know. the Cam Reddish experience a hundred times.
0: I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that that the that the that the, pow- that the balance of the Lakers is going to turn on Max Christie, but it's not the worst idea I've ever heard. But there's the way, at least
1: a chance he turns into something.
0: The Lakers signed Dylan Windler yesterday to a two way contract. I was hoping to see him tonight. I didn't. The guy is six seven. Wing two guard. He had a 33 rebound game in the G League this week. What? Yes. He he's 30,
1: also he's also an interesting player because he was a first round pick a few years ago by Brian's favorite team, the Cavs, Northeast yeah, Ohio's a, favorites. He
0: had uh, just progressive ankle injuries. Well, it's he's just always play.
1: been hurt for years. He, he's he's he played, played 80
0: 87 total games. He played at Belmont, and he was you know on the, the the three point gunning. But he 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 is you know for a guy who's not wide. He is a good rebounder. He was a good rebounder in college. He's been a good rebounder when he's played in the pros. 33 rebounds that's from incredible. guard position. I thought and it was like, a good
1: swing for them. Again, like maybe, they, maybe well, that's I, a guy they could turn look, into something. He, he
0: may never play. I'm just saying 33 rebounds. I just want to have a, a moment to acknowledge it in a professional basketball game in, in America.
1: Okay. The <laughs> guy <laughs> had 33 <laughs> rebounds. Okay. Uh, we've acknowledged it. We've acknowledged I the G-League rebounding more from by the that. other
0: day. It's a, it was a wild the, stat. McMahon is having an appropriate reaction. You are. Uh... I mean,
1: I saw this. I saw this the other day, so I'm not I'm not surprised by it. That's all. I did not see um, this. It was. A, it's a very impressive thing. And look again, that that's a worthwhile two way swing for them. Like maybe they can have him become a guy that can play for them. So give him a shot. See if he can play some like I would be trying to play these guys and see if you have something like McMahon pointed this out. We talked about the other day. This idea that Jared Vanderbilt is the the solve to all the, the Lakers' problems, there was a reason he wasn't playing by the end of the most competitive sweep in the history of basketball.
0: Okay, Because I on the that. offensive end, he's a zero. I know. I know. And I know in that series he didn't play because they were playing against the champions, and the champions were – well, yes, that's sort of me. the point when you have but LeBron and AD. he NAD. did play very well in many games.
1: Yes, but obviously. not – but at the end of the playoffs, look – Again, I'm looking at through, through well, the prism. I don't think the
0: Lakers are winning the title this year. Okay.
1: Well, if you have LeBron and AD, what else are you trying to do? This has been my point about the Lakers since why June. Trying to
0: yeah. get Because maybe Nikola Jokic sprains his ankle. That's why. The Lakers already won the
2: title this year. I <laughs> mean another one?
0: You know what? I forgot to look up. I've been in crypto twice in the last three days, and I forgot to look up to check out the banner. I forgot to
1: see the banner. Well, you go out many more times over the next it's week. right to next to the
0: bronze broom. <laughs>
1: Ron's Bruce right bigger than the banner <laughs> Oh my
0: God. D'Angelo well,
1: Russell did, declined to talk to the media after today's game. Interesting. That's unfortunate. Do happy players
0: do that? Well, because why? Because he had 13 points and so he thought he was vindicated for. I, losing his, I don't know. I guess.
1: Oh. Strange.
0: That's uh, it's the Laker world. By the way, there were some people who believed that if Darvin Ham Lost this game, he was going to get fired. Darvin Ham would was have, not getting fired.
1: What also would have been a completely insane thing for the Lakers to right. do. For, Darvin Ham's uh, is a really good coach, and this is not a Darvin Ham problem. Well, let's let's put it
0: this play. There's been a number of stories in the last few days that have emerged about player or agent frustration at the head coach, and I agree that there is many examples in the history of the NBA where player frustration with the head coach has led to the head coach being replaced. But in this case, the organization, at least for now, fully supports Dar- Darvin Ham. And of the players who might be frustrated at Darvin Ham, I don't think that the players who have the power that, with the frustration are, are, uh, are in that spo- in that space yet. So I don't know what happens when I wake up tomorrow, but if there's a lot of stories or, or concepts that Darvin Ham saved his job with this win, I do not think that's accurate, so I'm calling my shot at 1 a.m. on Monday morning. Well, fair, fair I lo- enough. I love
2: I love when Wendy's on West Coast, but he gives like a passive aggressive Windy sleep update by using East Coast time.
0: That's
1: right. You're on the West Coast, bro. Don't don't 1 a.m. It ain't 1 a.m. where you are.
0: That's by the way wet.
1: we 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 haven't talked about him on the pod today, and we're not gonna uh, other than to mention here. But just because I was looking at who the Warriors are playing, Pelicans. Beat the Kings today by 33. They've dominated that matchup this season. They've won five oh, out of six. Five out of six games they've won, and they've got a, they've got at Golden State Wednesday ABC at Denver Friday ESPN, and then in Tim's town against Dallas on Saturday. It's going to be very interesting it's for me.
2: A baseball series. In oh, now. that's right.
1: They play on Monday too. And those that's that's an good. interesting week coming up for I the Pelicans the to see mechanism. if they're legit.
2: Zion's stats night. What 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 was
1: the uh, what's Zion dealing with? Why didn't he play today? Is that what yeah. you're asking? Yeah, it's a good question. But I'll tell I you. I think in a they've
0: I think they've won six consecutive road games. They're a very uh, hard team to figure out because there are times when they look like they're on the brink of falling apart, and then they'll win like four or five in a row, and then then they get all healthy and then they lose. By the way, Trey Murphy right. has Quad
2: contu- contusion for right. Zion.
0: Yep. Trey Murphy, who's a very important player for them, has had recurring issues with his knee that he had surgery on the start mm-hmm. of the season. That's not so great. But,
2: but the, the, couple, the other thing about the Pelicans are like they won in a blowout. They were up by
0: 50 in this game yeah. in and, sack.
2: And they're definitely capable of blowing out teams. Are they capable of closing out teams? Because they've yep. had some real clutch cluster leaps. A couple against the Grizzlies recently. They're a bad clutch team.
0: Well, yep. they don't really have a pure point guard.
2: No, no. And I then, mean,
0: CJ has obviously run a lot of point in his career. And, you know, I'm not taking it away from him, but sometimes in clutch situations, you like to have a pure point guard.
2: They have they have trouble getting into sets in clutch situations. Like when it becomes those grinded out type of situations, yep. they've struggled
1: mightily. Well,
0: because the point guards they have aren't pure point guards. And like CJ is sort of an offense, you know, Looks for his
1: own sometimes. Well, hopefully Zion's healthy by Wednesday, but let's see what happens. Like that's that's a pretty big game for Golden State. We got a couple of days off. They got smoke today. We'll see what the lineup is on Wednesday. We'll see where Draymond's at by Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's playing Wednesday, but he's now eligible to play. So, you know, let's, be, let's see if the Pelicans can win these games. Let's see what the Warriors can do in a big matchup on Wednesday.
0: All right. Well, thank you for listening to Hooplective Podcast. Thank you to Jackson for staying up late. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you, McMahon. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you in a few days.
2: Adios amigos.